I am not sure if any of us in this room have ever wondered if we were going to eat. There's a possibility of it. But for the most part, that's not how it works in the United States of America in 2023 for the bulk of people who fill rooms like this. We don't wonder if, we wonder what. And there is a, a, a unique danger for us when we're having any conversation about the daily bread that God will provide that we would view this as something that is only symbolic and, and when we really don't have that physical need. And right now, I just want to remind each of us, there are men and women around the world right now who share your faith, who share your confession, who share your belief that are dealing with that physical need. They are hungry, they are thirsty, they are mistreated, some of them are in prison. They did not choose that. We are in a unique place where those are not things that we deal with. And that was not of our own power. None of us picked ourselves up by the bootstraps and caused ourselves to be born between 1960 and, and 2001 here in the United States of America. Pastor Tim Keller, who recently passed away, says this, humans, are very, humans have very little real power over their lives. 95% of what sets their course is completely outside of their control. This includes the century and the place where they are born, who their family members are, childhood environment, physical stature, genetic, genetically hardwired talents, and most of all, our circumstances. All we are and have is given to us by God. We are not infinite creators, but finite, dependent creatures. So for us to have a conversation today about what it means for the Lord to give us our daily bread... I just want us to set in motion that there are people right now who are asking God to provide for them. And I don't ever want to forget that. And I know we have that here in our country as well. We should not forget that either. But there are people who are in literal need. And that does not, we, we do not diminish that because we are also looking at the symbolic nature of this text. All of our bodies every day remind us that we are in need. And left to ourselves, in and of our own power, life is not sustainable. It was a birthday party weekend for us at the Poe House. Not because we have any of our children who were having birthday parties, but because everyone invited us to a party this weekend. Uh, there was a Friday night party. And we were glad to go to that. There was a Saturday morning pool pot party. For the toddlers, I almost said pool potty. It was probably that as well. <laughs> there was a closeout party last night at the Manning's house. It was on Saturday night. And on Saturday, I played basketball. And, and, this, and I, I shared with Jared this morning when I saw him. I said, hey man, while I was playing basketball yesterday, I burned 1,200 calories. Now Greg Baker would be quick to inform you that that was probably more like 600 calories because the numbers on your watches are off and Greg knows that every party has a pooper and that's why we invited him. <laughs> Jared said to me after I told him, hey man, I burned 1,200 calories. He said, you probably knocked that out at my house last night eating cream puffs and cake. <laughs> Mind your business, I did not eat any cake. I ate fruit dipped in chocolate. Uh, <laughs> The weirdest thing about trying to eat, to write, trying to watch what you eat, is that you're really hungry. And when you're really hungry, you will eat whatever is in front of you. You are in need in a small, small way. And you are reminded in those hungry moments of your limitations. You're reminded of your finitude. You're reminded of your helplessness. 
And in the Lord's Prayer that we've been walking through for the last few weeks, we have noticed that Jesus has said to us, we should pray, give us our daily bread. But before we ever get there, he's told us to pray other things. Our Father. What's that saying? That that God who made you did not just send you spinning into existence. That the God who made you, he loves you. Our Father in heaven, he is near to us. Hallowed be your name, that the name of this God who is near to you and who loves you, his name matters above all things. God, your kingdom come. This God who loves you, who is near to you, whose name matters above each and everything in this world, that this God, he reigns and he rules over everything that there is, and we want his kingdom to present itself and make itself known, manifest, if you will, right here, right now in this world. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That we would believe and that we would see this God who made you and loved you. Whose name matters, who reigns and rules. uh, That he is at work in this world. And last week to close out our, our time together. We even prayed over the various members of our congregation who are doing things. Whether it's formally or informally around our community. To say that we want to see the kingdom of God come. We want to see the will of God being done. We've been working through this right in this passage though and what we've not had yet is a petition. Everything we've talked about is about God. We've been waiting for a prayer of petition. And today we get one. Everything else has been about God. But right here, right now, when we get to the give me my daily bread, that's why people are interested in prayer to begin with. Some of us in our own prayer lives bypass that quickly. We want to get to God. I need you to do God stuff. Push through the God stuff. All the conversation about who you are. Because I really need us to get to me. Matthew 6. Would you read from the Christian standard. Which is what we work out of. And then I will look at it from the, Lord's, from the King James Version. Therefore, you should pray like this, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Or if you've been around us for... a, a any length of time at all, we all know we use King James each week because it's so familiar to so many of us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Give us our daily bread. God, we need you to do something. And if we're walking away with anything today from this text, I would want it to be this. Only God can meet your needs. Only God. The only one who has the power, the capability, the, the availability to meet every one of your needs is this God who we meet in Scripture. And we see him meeting those in two ways, the natural ones and the supernatural ones. And our need for bread shows us that our weakness is our strength. The fact that we are in need shows us that there is strength for believing people. It reminds us there is someone that we can depend on. 
Exodus chapter 15, or rather Exodus chapter 16, where you're going to be turning. Exodus chapter 15, it recounts... Now, if you're... Back up. Moonwalk. Rewind. We spent a few weeks in the story of Exodus, looking at the life of Moses. After the children of Israel are delivered in chapter 15, Exodus recounts the song of Moses and the Israelites after they crossed the Red Sea. They celebrate their freedom from Egypt. They shout of God's mighty acts, of how he has carried them across the water. He parted the waters. He is powerful. He is faithful. He protects. Caps lock, bold, highlight. Yahweh provides and Yahweh delivers. You get to chapter 16. And if you're wondering how numbers work, 16 directly follows 15. And in verse 2, after we have talked about his provision and his deliverance and how he carries us through, the entire Israelite community grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. They said, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by pots of meat and ate all the bread we wanted. Instead, you brought us into this wilderness to make the whole assembly die of hunger. In the victory, it is really easy to say that you have depended upon the one who just won. But in these moments of weakness, you begin to look around and wonder where he happens to be. And I know this room well enough to know the number of you who've asked God, where are you? I know in my own life the number of times in my weakness where I've said, God, where are you? I'm sitting in a hospital room. I'm dealing with death and sickness. Where are you? When our weakness is exposed, the first response of the human heart is to just deny it. To deny that you're helpless. To deny that your power and your strength are not enough to get you through. I recently started going back to CrossFit because I like to buy ibuprofen. And there were some new classes on the schedule. The, the owner, and I, so I text the owner because we, we have that friendship. And I said, I think the, he, he said, I think the 9 o'clock class would be great for you. I thought, man, awesome, 9 o'clock class. But then I realized, that's in the middle of my day. I, I've got stuff to do. I can't go at 9 o'clock. So I decided just to get up as early as I can possibly get up. Whenever the alarm goes off, I go. I don't think about it. I just go. I wake up and I go. I get, I'm mad about it. And that anger drives me to lift, you know, a couple of more pink dumbbells. That's what I do. So I'm talking to a church member about this who has a super weird work schedule. And I was asking if, I asked the coach, hey man, I've got this friend. He has a weird work schedule. Can, can he come to the 9 o'clock class? I give a listing of who this person is. He's really fit. He's 45. He's former military. Can he come to the 9 o'clock? And the coach replied, that class is for senior adults. I've sent so many geriatric gifts to this man since that. <laughs> to be reminded of your shortcomings, that's exactly where Israel is here. 
when it doesn't seem as if Yahweh is present, it takes Israel what seems to be 10 minutes to be reminded of their weakness. They grow nostalgic for Egypt. We had pots full of meat and bread for days. If you were unfamiliar with the story of Egypt, this is the same nation that threw babies into the Nile and made them build buildings with bricks that did not have straw. It's a pretty horrific thing what nostalgia does to us. When we walked through Ecclesiastes, I shared that the word nostalgia comes from two words. One of them is to return home and the other is pain. That's where we get that word. So for every longing in our soul for the 1950s or 60s or 70s or 80s, we have forgotten the pain that came with those times. And we're just living in the good, forgetting the bad. Nostalgia is a strange thing. But the Lord's really gracious and he's really good. In verse 4, Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven. The people are going to go out each day and they're going to gather enough for that day. This way I will test them to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. Spoiler, they don't. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gathered on the other day. So Moses and Aaron said to the Israelites, This evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. In the morning you will see the Lord's glory because he has heard your complaints about him. For who are we that, we would com- that, that you complain about us? Moses continued, The Lord will give you meat to eat this evening and all the bread you want in the morning. For he has heard the complaints that you are raising against him. Who are we? Your complaints are not against us, but they are against the Lord. So God is going to provide for them meat and bread. Kosher kolaches, moboys. That's what we're going to have. And Moses told Aaron, Say to the Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he's heard your complaints. As Aaron Aaron was speaking to the entire Israelite community, they turned toward the wilderness, and there in a cloud the Lord's glory appeared. Where are you? You're right there. The Lord spoke, I have heard the complaints of the Israelites. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will eat bread until you are full. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God. So they had their where are you moment and God presents and shows himself right there. Right there in their midst. And he says to them, I will give you food, but I won't just give you food. You will get food for free. Here's what I need you to do though. Listen to me. Just listen to me. And they don't listen. So at evening, quail came and it covered the camp. In the morning, there was a layer of dew all around the camp. When the layer of the dew evaporated, there were fine flakes on the desert surface, as fine as frost on the ground. And when the Israelites saw it, they asked one another, what is it? That word, manna, because they did not know what it was. Moses told them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. And this is what the Lord has commanded. Gather as much of it as each person needs to eat. You may take two quarts per individual according to the number of people each of you has in his tent. Don't let it remain. It will spoil. It reminds me of when Jesus is telling those who were surrounding him at the Sermon on the Mount about building bigger barns. 
where moth and rust destroy. And the people of Israel are not going to listen because they are very much like their forefathers, uh, Adam and Eve. And they're going to lean into their independence because that's really what our first sin is. It's independence. Trying to live independently of who Yahweh happens to be. They're going to make some terrible decisions and in both of those decisions, they're overcompensating... They're ignoring Yahweh and repeating the lie from the snake in the wilderness. Did, rather the snake in the garden, did God really say? He gave them direct instructions and their hearts, as they look at what God was providing, said, "I, I, I know I heard him say this, but I better make sure I take care of myself. The Israelites did this. Some gathered a lot and some gathered a little. When they measured it by quarts, the person who gathered a lot had no surplus and the person who gathered a little had no shortage. Each gathered as much as he needed to eat. And Moses said, no one is to let any of it remain until morning. Don't keep it. Because he said he's going to provide for you every single day. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. There's going to be one day that is really about you and your need to have Sabbath. But they didn't listen to Moses. And some of them left part of it until morning. Let's save this until the next day. Let's overlook that he said he's going to provide for us and get us through every day, giving us our daily bread. And the next morning when they looked at it, it had worms in it and it stank. I'm not even pro-mold in bread. Worms and stinky bread is not for me. Therefore, Moses was angry with them. So if you'll notice that when Yahweh, who they said, where are you? He shows up. He then provides. And their response to his provision, we don't trust you. We don't trust you. They don't believe that he'll keep providing. They try to save it even though he said not to save it. They gathered it every morning. So, so, so if you've got a note there, it's a good one. It's, he tells them, listen to me, I'll provide for you every day. And they try to make much of themselves. They gathered it every morning. Each gathered as much as he needed to eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much food, four quarts apiece. And all the leaders of the community came and reported to Moses, this is their bread for the seventh day, which is God's decision for them to rest. Rest, rest, rest. Because one of the things that Yahweh provides for his people is rest. He directs us to rest because we will not rest in and of our own power. He told them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a day of complete rest. A holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you want to bake. Boil what you want to boil. And set everything left over to keep until morning. So they set it aside until morning as Moses commanded. And it did not stink. And it did not have maggots in it. Because God has said, I'm going to provide. This is the way I'm going to provide. It may be confusing for you. But it's not confusing for me. Because you're a dumb-dumb and I'm God. Eat it today. Because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you won't find any in the field. 
For six days you'll gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. So this makes sense. I'm going to take care of you. Yet on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather. <laughs> but they did not find any. So they keep it even though God said that it won't keep. And then they go to gather when God has said there won't be anything to gather. God seems to know what we need more than we do. Here, friends, we belong to a group of people who claim that our God is sovereign. Christian church throughout history, even though there's been some differentiation, we believe that our God is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He's sovereign. That's the word. We are what we call resurrection people. Because our faith would be a pretty terrible one if we just ended on Good Friday. We say things like we believe His love is enough. We say that His mercy is enough. We say that He knows the number of hairs on our heads. Why are we so, so worried? And I'm not preaching to, to you. I'm preaching to me. Everybody walked through this this morning. Nellie walked in my office and said, What are you doing? I was preaching the sermon out loud because I can be a weirdo about this. Why are you so worried? Why are any of us so worried? Now, now this can lean left, it can lean right, it can land on wherever any of us happen to be in regard to political things. When we've chosen the kingdoms of this world over the kingdoms of Yahweh. Why are you so worried? The Lord said, how long? Will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Understand I've given you Sabbath. Therefore on the sixth day he will give you two days worth of bread. Each of you stay where you are. No one is to leave his place on the seventh day. So God provides for his people. And I, I think if we were to walk around the room right now, if I were to give you a chance to talk back to me, you could even tell me the ways that God has provided for you. But it takes us about 30 seconds to get away from one of his provisions to get to a place where we're wondering, where do you happen to be, God? But he doesn't abandon us. He doesn't forsake us. He seems to remind us in a really broken, really fallen, really devastated world, that he is none of those things. John 6. John is one of... It's, it's a lot of the most well-known passages or stories of the New Testament, and they're all together in that passage. And it's about bread, too. John, it's a large chunk of text, some of the Bible's most well-known stories. Let me give you some backdrop as to what takes place in John 6. Jesus feeds 20,000 people. Jesus walks on water. Everybody leaves. He's fed these 20,000 people. It's Passover. This is a Jewish festival, if you're unfamiliar, where Jewish people celebrate God's deliverance, that same deliverance that the Israelites have forgotten about in the book of Exodus. And it's to remember God's shed blood and God's provision. After Jesus feeds them, feeds 20,000 people, these people who got bread from heaven every day, just hundreds of years removed, 
When Jesus realized, in verse 15, that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. You want to make me your bread king because you're more concerned about bread than you are with me being king. And that's kind of where we land if we start with the petition of give me my daily bread. It's overlooking, it's forsaking all that God is for all that we want him to do. We treat God like he's a genie or Santa Claus or a grandparent. You get to verse 35 and Jesus says this, I'm the bread of life. No one who comes to me will be hungry and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. So they've come to him and they've said, we want the bread that you offer. And Jesus says, I don't just give bread. I am the bread. I don't just provide for you. I am what God has, who God has provided. But we don't want that. We want the bread. Can we get the bread? Keep looking in John 6. Some of this won't be on the screen. There comes a point where Jesus is having a conversation with the disciples about all of it. And when you get to verse 53... Truly I tell you, back up with me to 50, to 50, to 48. Jesus says again, I'm the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that come down from heaven so that anyone may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. The bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. At this, the Jewish people, they argued among themselves. How can this man give us flesh to eat? They think he's talking about vampires or zombies. What is he saying? We're going to drink blood and eat flesh. So Jesus said again, Truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and you drink of his blood, you do not have life in yourselves. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day because my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. It's not like manna that your ancestors ate because they died. The one who eats the bread that I offer will live forever. The one who takes of my flesh and drinks of my blood will live forever. 60. Therefore, when many of his disciples, this isn't the 12, this is the, the big crowd. The, when they heard this, it's, they said, this is the teaching. It's hard. We can't accept it. Who can accept it? The rest are just still standing there around him like, oh, what have we just done? We had an army and now it's us again. 
knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, asked him, Does this offend you? Jesus said. Then what if you were to observe the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? If you were to see me go back and you were to see that I am not dependent like all of you are, is that going to be offensive to you? The Spirit gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some among you who do not believe. For Jesus knew the beginning, those who do not believe and the ones who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. So hear me, family. Without the Spirit, human beings cannot discern spiritual truth. If the work of the Spirit is not present in us through the power of God's Word, we cannot understand what God would have for His people. We can't. No matter how many times we've broken down passages and how much Greek we've learned online, no matter how many books we've read and reread, without the work of the Holy Spirit, humans cannot discern God's truth. 66, from that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Are you going to leave too? When all of this gets really hard, are you going to walk away? Simon Peter, who wasn't the brightest apple on the tree, Lord, to who will we go? You have the words of life. We have come to believe that you are the Holy One of God. When Jesus speaks of being the bread, and he speaks of his blood, when he speaks of his flesh, and he speaks of his blood in this passage, Jesus is, in a sense, saying to us, you need me every day. You need me, oh, you need me, every hour you need me. We sing that from our perspective. We aren't really ready to pray, give us this daily bread, until we can admit that we are in need. We're not really ready to pray, God, I want you to provide for me every day, until we realize that we need to be provided for. That we would acknowledge in a world that prides itself in its ability that we are unable to do everything. That we would say to God, God, I'm vulnerable, so I need you. God, I'm, I'm, I don't feel safe, so I, I need you. I don't think I have enough. I don't think that I am enough. I need you. God, I'm afraid, so I need you. I'm, I'm fragile and I'm broken, so I need you. Life is really hard, so I need you. This doesn't get any easier. I really do need you, God. Give us this daily bread prayers or us saying... Yes, God, provide for me physically every day. But even more so than that, God, I need to be reminded that you are with me. And if you're with me, that no one else can be against me. These are all of the things that we're admitting when we take the bread and drink of the cup each week. When we, as Jesus says, eat of his flesh and drink of his blood, this is a reminder to us that we need him. So we're really quick to rush up and grab bread and go back to our seats and wait for Jared to give us our next cue. Every time we take that, 
Every time we drink that, we are saying, God, I'm, I, I can't live this life without you. Augustine said this, uh, said the table is the outward and visible sign of an inward and invisible grace. That God has done that kind of work. When we come to the table, we are returning. We're coming back. Every time we come to this table and we're reminded of all that God has done for us in His broken body, shed blood, we are returning to God's intent. Because God created us to relate to Him in this way and in this way primarily and ultimately. Depend on me. Depend on me. The Israelites said regularly, God, we, we don't trust you. And I think for us, there are moments for us where we may be saying to God, I don't trust you. I don't trust you. And Jesus says over and over, just depend on me, depend on me, depend on me. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to bow our heads this morning. Can you just look back at your last three days while your head's bowed? If you're a believer in this space, I want you to think through that. These last just three days, it doesn't take long. Have you functioned independent of your need for God? And if so... Would you have a conversation? I'm not going to say, but I'll walk you through what I said a few moments ago. Maybe you can talk to the Lord right where you happen to be. You interact with Him. Lord, I, I don't think I'm enough. I need you. Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm vulnerable. Would you see one of the repetitive themes of the scriptures where God says for you in the face of all of that depend on me depend on me we're going to come to the table in just a moment and Jared will guide us if you're not a believer in this space one we're glad you're here I'm just going to ask that you don't take of the bread or drink of the cup. If you're not sure, if you're a believer, come talk to me. I'm in the back right-hand corner of the room. I would love to give you a sense of security based on what Scripture says in regard to what belief in Jesus is. But if you're a believer here and you're going to come to the table in just a moment, would you just know that this is Jesus saying to you again, be reminded, according to scriptures, that we are a people who are supposed to depend upon him because he doesn't just give you bread. He is the bread. He is the bread. He is the, he is the broken body. He is the shed blood. And we are in need of Jesus. And as believers, we never stop needing him. 
Father, we thank you for today and the chance that we've had to get together in your word and to see that the idea of bread, it seems to be pretty prominent. Lord, would for the believers in this room, would we hear you from your word show us that we are in need of you? We, depend, we need to depend on you. We need to trust you. We ask all this in your name, Lord.